My name is Vic Alvarado, and I'm one of the pastors here at Mission Church. And I get the honor to uh, work with some incredible uh, servants, both on staff and uh, as lay people, and uh, who minister together. And it's just a, it's an honor to be here. And Pastor Tony and Heidi are uh, finishing up their time with their family in the Smoky Mountains. They've been there all week. Uh, they flew out on Christmas Day, and uh, they're flying back in the next day or so. And uh, their family came up from Florida, and they met them in, in Tennessee, and they've been having a great time. And um, there's no doubt they're thinking about you this morning and thinking about us. And so pray for them that they'll have a safe trip back, and, uh, and they'll be refreshed and energized to uh, en- engage their ministry here. I'm kind of the behind-the-scenes guy. Um, when you don't see me, that's because I'm working. When you do see me, that's probably because I'm not. And so, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, they call, well, I call myself the chief mule. And, uh, everything that happens here falls on my plate, and, uh, I love it. And I love working with, again, working with some incredible team of people. And so, I get the honor to step in and pitch hit for Pastor Tony this morning and look at God's Word. In just a moment, we're going to look at John chapter 20. If you have, if you have your Bibles, if you brought your Bibles, whether they're the uh, old school or whether the, the electronic variety, I, I, I hope that you'll uh, take that out in just a moment. We'll look at John chapter 20. Today uh, is really a perfect day for us to reflect upon the past and look forward to the future. Every year, um, my wife Darcy and I wonder... We wonder, uh, we ask ourselves this question, how different will this new year going to be than the past year? Um, What will the Lord ask us, ask of us in this new coming year? Where is he going to invite us to go with him? And it seems like when when we sit down and we ask that question, we really don't know what that year is going to look like. It may be completely different than what we thought or imagined or planned. I, I believe today is a good day to really kind of step back for just a moment and assess, Lord, what is it? Where is it? Where are you sending me in 2019? And maybe, maybe take the risk that just ask that simple question this morning as we're here together. The reality is, and the truth is, you might want to write this down during your outline in your bulletin. To Jesus, our devotion and following his example matters more than our destination. To Jesus, our devotion and following his example matters more than our destination. We're going to unpack that statement this morning. You see, God, God is more interested in your obedience to him than where that obedience takes you. It's in the act of following Him. It's in the act of following Him that matters most to Him than where exactly where that leads you. Today is a good day to assess our lives and to hear the wisdom of Jesus and obey His counsel. And I believe the words of Him from Him that John penned in John chapter 20 verses 9 to 23 are appropriate for us to kind of look at this morning as we embark on this new year. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 20, and we're going to look at verses 19 
through 23. If you're familiar with this passage, this is an incredibly rich chapter in John chapter 20. The resurrection had taken place. Jesus was buried in the tomb. He had been resurrected. He encountered people at the tomb. And he says, go and tell my disciples that I'm alive and that I'm coming to see them. And then we get to verse 19 of chapter 20 of the Gospel of John. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. I love that. Peace be with you. Before he says anything else, he says what they needed most. Peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples, look at the, the response of the disciples. The disciples were glad. Can you imagine the sigh of relief? They've been hiding out and all of a sudden Jesus steps in and he says, peace be with you. And all of a sudden they see his hands, they, they see his side and they say, He's alive. It is true. And then he says again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. This morning, we're, uh, we're primarily going to look at, at the, uh, the verse in John chapter 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. The superficial reading of this verse might give us the impression that, that Jesus is saying, the Father first sent me, now uh, it's your turn. <laughs> he sent me, now it's your turn. But there's more to that verse. He's also saying, in the, very, in the very same way that the Father has sent me, that's how I'm sending you. In exactly the same way that God the Father has sent me to, to you, I am now sending you out as I have done. The crucial question then becomes, so how did God send Jesus? How did he send him? In fact, turn to the person next to you right now and say, Hey, uh, how, did, how did God send Jesus? <laughs> Tell him, go ahead. Before we answer that question, because it's a really a crucial question, Jesus is telling us, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. But what, what does that mean? Before we answer that question, I want to I introduce you to someone. Here's a, a, selfie, a, a selfie a young man took last month. Do you recognize him? His name is John Allen Chaw. He was 26 years young in a, in a native Vancouver, Washington. He loved leading missionary trips around the world for the sake of Christ. Last month, he traveled to the North Sentinel Island on, in India's Bay of Bengal to share Christ with the Sentinel. Sentinelis tribe, a tribe that has been isolated for centuries. 
who reject all contact with the larger world and react with violence when outsiders attempt to, to uh, interact with them. Their island is off limits to any kind of visitor. And it's been that way for as long as they can remember for centuries. John Allen Chaw sensed that Jesus was sending him to them, and so he made arrangements to follow the call of God. And on the first day, he hired a local fisherman who, to transport him within a half mile of, of the island, and then he used the canoe to reach the island shore, and on the first day, he returned. He returned. On a second trip, when he arrived on the island, the tribe's people broke his canoe and forced him to swim back a half mile to the boat that transported him there. On the third trip, John Allen Shaw never made it back. The fisherman that transported him later said, From a distance we saw tribes' people dragging his body along the shore. Before he left the boat that last time, Shaw wrote a note to his family. And he wrote this, You guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people. And then he added, Please, please do not be angry with with them or at God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever He has called you to, and I will see you again when you pass through the veil. Why am I sharing that story to you? Because I really believe that the call that God has placed upon each and every one of our lives as His children, as His followers, is no different than the call that God has placed on on John Shaw's life. You see, as a follower of Jesus, we have to ask ourselves the question, what has God called me to? What is God calling me to? To where, to whom is He sending me in 2019? Do you know? Do you want to know? You see, no matter if we've been walking with Jesus for an hour, if we've been walking with Him for a hundred years, He has already sent us and He's affirmed this word to us in John chapter 20, verse 21, when He says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. But what does that mean? What is the mission he has sent all of us as his followers on? The Apostle Paul in his letter to the believers in Philippi gives a good understanding of the nature and the reason why Jesus was sent to earth in the first place. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. Perhaps some of you know this by heart. This is what Paul writes to the church in Philippi regarding the arrival of Christ and why He came. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in the human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name 
that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, the nature and the reason Jesus was sent is described by the Apostle Paul there in Philippians chapter 2. Here's the truth. Write this down. Jesus was sent from heaven, from heavenly riches to earthly rags. From exaltation to humiliation. From authority to obedience. From ultimate significance to ultimate rejection. From comfort to hardship. From safety to danger. From glory to sacrifice. From life to death. And He is sending us to go into the world in exactly the same way. Really? Really. Jesus was sent from heavenly riches to earthly rags, from exaltation to humiliation, from authority to obedience, from ultimate significance to ultimate rejection, from comfort to hardship, from safety to danger, from glory to sacrifice, from life to death. And He is sending us to go into the world in exactly the same way. Every one of those humbling transitions goes against the grain, doesn't it? goes against our grain. Everything that we, that we are, every one of them, goes against, cuts against the grain of who we are. You see, we live in a world that cheers us on to work our way up and not to empty ourselves. We live in a world that tells us to seek more significance, to seek more safety, to seek more authority, to seek more attention, to seek more comfort. More, more, more. But Jesus, you know this. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves and to take up our cross and to follow Him. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew 16, Mark chapter 8, Luke chapter 9. Those are the exact same words that Jesus spoke to us. In short, He sends us out As he was sent, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You see, Jesus was sent by the Father to humble himself, to take on the form of a servant, and to become obedient to the point of what? Death. I want us to go back to John Allen Shaw's story for a moment. Because it raises a number of questions. In fact, when I first heard of the story in the news, I thought to myself, how foolish. <laughs> no, the honest answer, when I, heard the first, when I first heard the story, I thought to myself, what a fool. You see, my analytical mind, my, my strategic way of thinking was, didn't, the, didn't this young man think this through? Didn't he make preparations to make sure that who, to know who he was encountering before he made this life-altering decision? How foolish. Sometimes, um, sometimes when God sends us somewhere, (laughs) it looks foolish to other people. 
And then I began to ask some questions. My little peanut brain began to ask all these, you know, questions. And was it ethical to risk exposing the, the North Sentinel uh, tribe to diseases which they have no immunity for? Did John Allen even think about that? And then I got this little tap on my shoulder, and God says, "You remember that story in the Old Testament where my people were out in the desert, and I raised up a." I raised up a snake in the desert, and all the people had to do was look at the snake and they would be healed. (laughs) Are you forgetting that I am the great physician? Okay. (laughs) And then another question came to me. How how did Shaw expect to communicate with them if he didn't understand their language or didn't understand their culture? He's an American from Vancouver, Washington. And then I got another tap on the shoulder and says, you remember uh, in the Old Testament where I had uh, the donkey speak to that man? Don't you think, don't you think that my servant could have gone onto this island and spoken their language if I wanted to, if I was sending him? Oh, and also in the New Testament, when the, in the day of Pentecost, when people were speaking different languages, they never learned. All of a sudden, the Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak a diff- foreign languages. Okay. Was it, then I asked the question, was it appropriate for him to, to seek contact uh, with people who clearly did not want to see him on their island? I mean, why am I going someplace where people don't want me to go? Why are you sending me someplace where people don't want me to be seen? And then God said, you know what? Remember Jonah? I'm sending him to Nineveh. He finally got there. He didn't like it when he got there. But when he spoke the word that I told him to speak, the entire city of Nineveh repented. Did they want him there? Probably not. Here's a larger, larger theological question that I asked myself. Did the North Sandinelli's tribe need to hear about Jesus anyway? You see, our secular, sophisticated culture would answer that question loudly. No! Why are you sending them to... Why are you going there and telling them about Jesus? They don't want to hear you. They don't even want to see you. The mantra of our world is live and let live. We should expect secular people to think this way. In their worldview, absolute truth doesn't exist. In fact, all truth claims are relative to them. And tolerance is the highest value in our world today, not truth. And so as a result, a a follower of Jesus who shares the good news that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life with others is seen as arrogant and forcing people, forcing their beliefs on others that people don't want to hear. You see, conventional wisdom today tells us that that it's best just to to give witness to Jesus through, through acts of love and kindness. Don't use any words. Just just. Show them by your love, which is good. 
which is appropriate, which is needed. But you know what else is needed? Words. Words are needed. Even the words we speak in love. But here's the deal. Words are truly important to God. I have a quote credited to Francis Assisi that's framed in my office, which reads, Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. You know what? It is necessary for us to use words today. And when Jesus sends us out as He expects He expects us to use words. He expects us to use His words. He expects us to use His word. Words are important to Jesus. In fact, Jesus affirmed this in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 verses 16 through 42. I'm not going to read the entire passage. I just want to read a few of the, of the, of the verses that Jesus spoke there in Matthew chapter 10. Where he affirms that the importance of using words is speaking when it's time to speak and to, to make sure that you are being led by the Spirit of God as you speak those words. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, he's speaking to his, his apostles and he says these incredible words. In verse 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men who who will deliver you over to courts and flog you in the synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Verse 26. So have no fear of them, Jesus says, for nothing is covered that will be, that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy, destroy both soul and body in hell. And then in verse 40, Jesus says, Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. You see, to Jesus, words mattered. And the Apostle Paul agrees with Jesus in Romans chapter 10, verses verses 13 to 16. When he wrote these words, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are are they to believe in Him him who, who have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So what is the good news? What is the good news that we are being sent out to proclaim? Here's the answer. The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins and He calls us to repent of them and trust Him as our Lord and Savior. That is it. It's that simple. That Jesus came. He came to make us right with God again. And all we have to do is accept His love and forgiveness 
and repent of our sins and he will make us new. That's the good news. These are cognitive and reasoning facts about God's love that must be communicated to be understood and believed. And those of us who understand and believe them have a moral obligation, a moral duty to share those words, to share the good news with those people who don't. Here's the point. Whatever we think of John Allen Shaw's method, let's not forget who sent him and the passion of Christ he was imitating in obedience to the command as the Father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. John heard those words and he believed and he, and he went. The truth is, if you are a follower of Christ, you have been sent. You are being sent. Whether it is across the world, or whether it is across the street to a neighbor, or whether that is across the hallway in your own home to one of your kids or one of your family members. You have been sent. You are being sent. Jesus' mission is and always has been to redeem the world. That's all. He, that's all. That's why He created you. That's why He created me. And sometimes we forget. We forget that we are here to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ and nothing else. The only reason God created us is so that we would know Him. I have two kids, both in college. They're great kids. They love God. They love their mom. Not so much me, but their mom. (laughs) But when they were little tykes, when they began to speak, we would teach them this important principle, this important doctrine, really. We would ask them the question, what is the most important thing in life? When they could barely understand what we were asking, we would give them the answer And the answer was really simple in two words. The most important thing in life is knowing God. Everything else is not as important as that. When God created us, when He formed us in our mother's womb, He made us with the express intent so that we would know Him and that we would declare His gospel to the world. And if we don't do that, then whatever we're doing isn't as important. So maybe God has sent you, maybe in 2019, God is going to send you on the other side of the world. I don't know. Maybe in 2019, God is going to send you back to your neighborhood and He's going to say, you know all those people that you've been living with? Because you've been living with them. They, they live on your street. You've been, you've been living there for decades. You know them by name. You know their habits. You know when they come. You know where they go. But you know what they don't know? They don't know who you know. You know Jesus and, you, and you're not telling them about maybe God is saying I need you to go back home and tell your neighbors about me 
Maybe you've been working in the same office for years. <laughs> and there are people who are going to die without knowing why they were created to know God. And maybe your mission this year is, Lord, <laughs> I supervise a lot of people. I work side by side. I eat lunch with these people. These people know me better than some of my family members. But what they don't know, they don't know you. I know you. Jesus' mission has always been to redeem the world. And he tends to to shine the light in every corner through you, through me. And he calls us to share in places that may either be very foreign or very familiar to us. But here's what we need to know. There's no place too uncomfortable, too dangerous, or unlikely where Jesus may send us. But remember, to Jesus, our devotion and following His example matters more than our destination. The question is, are we willing to go where He sends us? Wherever that may be. I believe Jesus is saying to all of us this morning, as we get ready to launch into 2019, let's do this. This year, let's do this. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Let's do this. I've teed it up. You know these people I'm sending you to. So let's do it. Let's do it. A young missionary, the young missionary Jim Elliott, wrote this before he was killed. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. There's no fools. There's no fools in God's world. There's no fools in the family of God. We may seem foolish. That's okay. Because greater is the reward that's awaiting us in our, as we obey the Lord. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8 and agreed with Jim Elliot. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For, wherever, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Howard Thurman, perhaps you've heard of him, was a civil rights leader. He was a pastor, an educator, a prolific writer. His poem for the, for the days after Christmas captured my attention this week, and I close with his words. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home when the shepherds are back with their flocks. The work of Christmas begins. And what is that work? To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoners, to rebuild the nations, and to bring peace among people with the message and the love of God.
Why? Because that's who Jesus is. And that's what Jesus would do. And he is saying to us this morning, if you haven't heard it already, as the Father has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. If you know him, he has breathed his spirit into you. And not only that, he says to you, peace be with you. My favor is in your court. And if they kill the body, don't be despaired. Because one day, your family will see you again when they pass through the veil. Because this is not the end. This is only the beginning. So as we step back from 2018, you have to ask yourself the question, Lord, where are you sending me this year? I know you have a plan. And you've been waiting, maybe you've been telling me this and I just have not wanted to hear. But God, what is that plan? I want to ask the worship team to come and they're going to lead us in worship as we close this morning. Will you pray with me as we come? Father God, we, uh, we just want to take a moment and just hit the pause button for just a second. There in the bottom of your outline, there's a place for you to write a thought to God this morning. Lord, based upon what I heard you say to me this morning, I choose to obey you by... What is God saying to you today? Maybe he's been saying something that is very familiar to you that you he said before and you have just kind of just brushed it aside. You haven't been completely rejecting it. You've just kind of been tabling it. But today, this morning, he's saying to you, I've been trying to send you. I placed you where I placed you, in that family, in that work site, in that classroom, at school, with your friends, in that neighborhood. I placed you there. Not for your comfort, although it's nice for you to be comfortable. I placed you there because I need you there to speak the gospel that the people that you know don't know. So will you go where I send you? Will you speak the words that they need to hear, that they've been dying to hear? Will you do that? I don't know what God's saying to you. But on this last Sunday of the year, maybe it might be a good idea, since we're sitting in church, (laughs) since we're believers, to maybe take a moment and say, God, I, uh, I just want to uh, spend a few moments with you. And maybe you want to come and just kneel here at the front. That's okay. This is a safe place to do that. None of us here are perfect. And this is not about, it's not about that. It's just making a statement to you. Maybe you want to come with your spouse. Maybe your kids are with you. Maybe you want to come as a family and just say, Lord, this year 
we want to listen to you. And we're making a statement to you before our friends and our family this morning that I heard you. And I just want to spend these moments as we, uh, as we worship him. I invite you just to, just to come. We're just going to remain seated in this first song. And if you'd like to come and kneel, please allow the Lord to continue to speak to you and ferment the message that you heard this morning. God bless you as you obey him today.